Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, September 21st, and today we're reading from the big book. We're in the chapter entitled More About Alcoholism on page 30 at the top of the page. And today's readers are Monica, Paula, Kim, Sharon, and Sarah. The share code for yesterday's meeting, that's Thursday, September 20th, 3045. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Miriam to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Leah. I'm Miriam calling from Israel. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves restores to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these effects of character. Seven, humbly ask Him to remove our shortcomings. 8. Made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. May direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood in praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much and I pass. Thank you, Miriam. I will now call on Fermit to read the 12 traditions. Hi, good morning. Uh, from it, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but may, but we, we may create service boards or committees direct, directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism. We're on page 30 at the very top of the page. And I'm going to ask Monica to get us started, please. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you, Leah. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Chapter 3 more about alcoholism. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow some day he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. 
Okay, so here we are, Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism. Uh, that could be titled uh, More Truth About Alcoholism. And it also could be um, more of what is going to happen to us if we don't accept a solution that we all just read about in the chapter before. And in this um, thing, in this paragraph, our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing, and many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And here, Bill is using some really powerful words. Obsession. What's obsession? It's compelling motivation, fixation. What's an obsession? An idea that overpowers any other idea. It is so strong that it can make you believe a lie, make you believe something that isn't true. What's an illusion? An illusion is incorrect or untrue belief. Again, it's, some, it's a lie. It's an illusion. It's not true. And, what's in, in, and many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And what's insanity? Delusion, delirium. Insanity is also not being whole to mind, not being completely whole. And to believe a lie, to believe something that isn't true, this is in insanity. And Bill here is using all these words to mean the same thing. Obsession, illusion, insanity, and delusion that we're believing something that is a lie. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Katie, go ahead. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater, recovered today. Um, and this sentence, uh, he's been characterized by countless days. Delusion. Hello? And... Hello? Go ahead, Katie. By countless vain attempts to prove he could drink like other people. So I looked up the word vain, and it says, um, producing no result, useless, having no meaning or likelihood of fulfillment, a vain boast. Um, and that's what I did. I tried to, to uh, because we still have to eat, you know, we don't just put, the, uh, put down the food and not eat anymore. So there's this illusion that we can somehow eat like other people once we, you know, get over our obsession. And I had to let go of that idea that I would ever, ever eat the way I dreamed of eating. Um, and that could only happen through surrender and accepting help from other people. Um, today, though, I live in freedom. I don't white-knuckle it through the day um, avoiding places that have food because that would be pretty much impossible, being a wife and mother and uh, in the workforce and just living life. You know, we talked in an earlier chapter about, you know, being on a desert island or, or having a bodyguard or 
or being locked up. And, you know, I don't have to do that today. I, but I have given up this idea that I can eat like other people. And uh, I'm very grateful for that acceptance today because it is such an insidious uh, activity to keep trying to make myself something other than I am. And uh, it sounds like such defeat to accept this, you know, this horrible um, malady, but it really the it's not defeat. It's, um, it's surrender, and through that surrender, I've been given a whole new life and a whole new way to live. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph, please? This is Janice. Janice, go this ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. And because of that, because of that way of thinking, because of that unwillingness to admit that we're real alcoholics, that we're real compulsive overeaters, we keep trying those countless vain attempts. Because of that unwillingness and because I did not want to think I was bodily and mentally different from my fellows, despite all evidence to the contrary, despite all evidence to the contrary, I, I, it kept me caught up in those countless vain attempts to prove you know, I had something to prove that I could drink like other people, that I could eat like other people. And that kept me testing my personal control, hoping, hoping that this time it would be different. You know, the idea that somehow, someday, I would beat this game, I would be able to eat like the normal people I saw around me eat, that this time I could eat just one, that this time... I could control the amounts I took. But I found, as I've heard many others say, that when I controlled it, I certainly wasn't enjoying it. And when I really thought I could enjoy it, I couldn't control the amount I took. And that was a persistent, persistent, persistent way of thinking. And because it was a persistent way of thinking, and because that obsession was so strong in me, I had to believe that lie. I had to keep on going, and I pursued it. I pursued that illusion with a vengeance, with a vengeance, hoping, hoping that this time it would be different. And you know, it says that unwillingness was what was making me resist and deny and defy and refuse reality, the reality that was right there in front of me, that it was never different. You know, I was always running towards that first fight or running away from that first fight. There was never any peace. There was never any calm place around the food. You know, but I had to believe that until someone in whom the problem had been solved cracked open this very big book and made it come alive for me. And I could identify who I was and what I was up against. And the big book is showing us very clearly here who we are and what we're up against so that I can identify myself more about alcoholism 
as if what we had just been learning in the doctor's opinion and there is a solution was not enough. Here I'm going to find out even more. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on yes, this paragraph? Yes, I would. Hello? Yes. Hello? Oh, Good morning. Hi. My name is, hi, my name is Beth, and um, I'd like to comment. I, um, I guess I just want to say that um, it's, it's a delusion that I could, or an, or an illusion that I could um, be free from this um, problem. And um, so I um, become unaware of what I'm doing. I stop using the tools. I become unaware and I um, will just live to eat. And I don't realize how much I'm eating. And, um, you know, the way that I was raised, they would not let me eat. They kicked on everything I ate and commented on it and told me not to eat and told me what to eat. So um, I'm glad to um, be back to the meetings, and um, I'm grateful for the meetings. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? Yes, Leah. Penny E. Penny, go ahead, please. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater. I keep thinking denial, 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 and... um, I remember back a long time ago, there used to be a saying in the program, denial is not a river in the, I don't know where it is, whatever, whoever knows their geography will know where that is. It's not a river in wherever it is. Um, Denial, and I'm looking in the um, big book dictionary, and it says denial, non-acceptance, dismissal, refusal or belief in statement, a psychological defense mechanism in which confrontation with a personal problem or with reality is avoided by refusing to accept the existence, truth, or validity of the problem or reality. This, this is going to, I also heard many years ago that this disease is the only disease that tells us we don't have a disease. If we keep saying, you know, maybe I don't have it, I want to try and get normal, you know, I can do this, so on and so forth, it's a good chance that we have that disease. That's one of the symptoms. So uh, it's so important, and I just keep thinking every single sentence here is our inheritance. Every single sentence has uh, important information for us to, to, uh, to what, absorb, to understand if we are to recover. So uh, that's it for me today. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, wanted to comment on that first sentence here, most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. I mean, focusing in on that word unwilling, you know, I will not, you know, I will not admit this. I mean, it just smacks of the, uh, you know, self-will run riot uh, in us, you know, the resistance and the reluctance to accept what is true. You know, this is my disability. Uh, I have a long history of compulsive overeating to prove it. Why is it so difficult for me and my types of real compulsive overeaters to get help? You know, why do we defy it and delay it and resist it? 
Well, that's the disease of compulsive overeating. You know, it seems to be the only disease known to man where the person who has it has no enthusiasm for recovery. I mean, if the person has cancer, they accept that they have cancer, right? If a person is blind and cannot see, they accept that they cannot see. If a person is crippled and cannot walk, they accept they cannot walk. If a person is diagnosed with AIDS, they accept that they have AIDS. But we resist and defy and deny and delay what is true about us. You know, we want to argue about powerlessness, and we want to be confused about what unmanageability means, and we have difficulty with the word insanity. But the reality is I had a life of two decades of mayhem to prove that I was a compulsive overeater. And, you know, and, and that is why this disease is called cunning, baffling, and powerful. Because although there are answers available within these pages, within these 164 pages, many of us are reluctant to do anything about it. And even though there are clear-cut suggestions that are given that will arrest this disease and allow everybody on this line to start a whole new life, so many people have no enthusiasm to pursue that solution. We, we, we want it to be magic. We want it to just happen. You know, and that is the cunning, baffling, and powerful nature of this disease. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. That is the obsession of the mind, that's for sure. With that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Okay, I'll take that as a no. Let's move on to the next paragraph with Paula, please. This would be Paula, covered compulsive over We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. You know, this is a we that I never wanted to be part of. You know, it starts with the word we, and you know, we uh, refers to a group which uh, she or he is one. This wasn't the group I wanted to be part of. Be clear here. We learned. We learned that we had to fully concede. And I look at those words and I think, fully concede. Concede I did. Concede I did. Uh, I think I've got a problem here. Like, how obvious was that? It was a problem every single day, all the time. But that word, fully, mm-mm. Yeah, no halfway measures. I must fully concede to our innermost selves. And that's the deep part of me. See, I always did surface things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, I can see that. I can see that clearly. But that part within you, that part within you that says, no, no, don't, and you do. Keep away, but you go. That we, and there it is again, that we were alcoholics. But I love this line. This is the first step. You know, I keep thinking about the step the man made on the uh, on the moon. I know I'm going to be a little unclear here, but that first step, and what did he say? You know, one giant step for mankind. That was it. It's a giant step, but what a step it is. What a step. 
Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, it's Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leia. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Now, the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. It has to be smashed. You know, if, if a lamp falls over and it breaks in two or three pieces, maybe you can put it back together. But if that lamp falls over and it cr- it's crushed, it's in a thousand pieces, you can't put it back together. And that's what we have to recognize, you know, that as a true alcoholic, that delusion has to be smashed. We're like Humpty Dumpty. You know, all the king's horses and all the king's men cannot put us back together again. You know, the, the, what, so what is a true alcoholic? A true alcoholic means I have the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. You know, I have allergies. You know, I'm allergic to penicillin. I simply don't have penicillin. I don't have to go into a room called Penicillin Anonymous and talk about not taking penicillin. You know, in that way, the, the, the physical allergy alone is okay. You know, but this chapter, more about alcoholism, is talking about the obsession of the mind. The obsession of the mind that regardless how long I have not had my binge foods, that obsession of the mind is going to convince me to go back over and over and over again. And the delusion that I am like other people has to be smashed. I do not get to take off for my birthday. I do not get to take off once I reach a certain goal weight. And my thing was, I'll get 10 pounds underweight, and that way I can indulge a little. You know, all those little games that we played, we have to be smashed. We have to understand that we will never, ever be like a normal drinker again. Now, the beauty of this program is when we walk through the steps and this obsession is removed, we will be able to participate in life better than we've ever been able to participate in before because through this program we will become united with a higher power and we will be able to be rejoined with ourselves, God, and our fellows in a way we'll never know. But the only way we can get to that point is if we fully concede and understand that we will never be like other people, that we are like Humpty Dumpty and we will never be able to be put back together again in that way. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Leah. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. This is the first step in recovery. To know who I am, what I'm up against, and admit it fully. Admit it fully. That is the first step. That is the first step for me. And I cannot diagnose you as an alcoholic. I cannot diagnose you as a compulsive overeater, but you can diagnose yourself. You can diagnose yourself. I'm not here to twist your arm or cajole you or convince you that you're one of us, that you're like me. You can look at your own experience and figure that out for yourself. Because without that, without that deep inner knowing to my innermost self that, yes, this is me, nothing was going to happen. That's why it has to be the first step in recovery for me. And it's the first step in recovery for me today, every day. 
to admit, to concede to my innermost self that, yes, indeed, this is who and what I am. And that delusion that I was living under, once it was smashed, once it was smashed, like Kim just said, the world opens up. And you wouldn't think so. You would think, oh, this is a really hard place to be. But it is a hard place to be. It is a hard place to be living in that kind of hell. It was for me. You know, the freedom came in admitting. The door to that recovery opened when I admitted it. Because when I admitted it, I could ask for help. And I learned that by looking at this book, by reading this book, by talking with my fellows, by admitting who I was and what I was up against. That helped me. That helped me to find that first step. That first step, that I am powerless. Lack of power had always been my dilemma. But here I was beginning to see it so clearly. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. It's Eddie in Virginia. Good morning, Eddie. Go ahead. Good morning, all. This is Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overheater. Happy to be here this morning with you. Um, yeah, we had to ad- fully admit that we were powerless. Um, this uh, this always reminds me of the paragraph in the book. I think it's I think it's four seventeen. Um, you know about acceptance. Acceptance is the key to all my problems today. Um, and uh, when I accepted this, and it took me many many years to do that, um, I began to realize that there was more to life than you know, working to either be thin or working my way back up not to be thin and uh, being miserable in both circumstances. But when I fully accepted that I was a compulsive overeater, uh, as someone said a, a, a few days ago about being, you know, I was no longer a cucumber, I was a pickle, that I was always going to be a pickle, um, that um, there was so much more that opened up for me in life. And it was and 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 it, with this, um, you know, working the program has become more than. And I'm grateful today that I'm in a normal body size and have been so for quite a few years now. I, I am grateful for that. But there's so much more that this program has given me in my life that I would have never had had I never. Um, not only had I never come into the program, but um, had had if I had never been a compulsive overeater. Um, when I first got in the program, I used to hear people sit in the rooms and say, grateful, recovering, recovering compulsive overeater. I said to myself, how can I be grateful to be a compulsive? How can I be grateful for this? I really struggled with that for quite a while. How and why should I be grateful for this disease? But, um, you know, today I am because it, not only am, like I said, am I in a normal body size? Is my health improved? Am I able to do things that I could never do if I were not? But, um, you know, it's all the other epiphanies, I guess, that I've had along the way that have led me to see the richness of the life I have today that I would have never had had I not found this program. And for that, I am truly grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. Monica, please go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Um, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. 
we, we learned, and again, this is the first 100 people, the, the recovered alcoholics who have gone through this, and this is what they have learned, and they're trying to pass this information along to us, to fully concede to our innermost selves that we are alcoholics. You know, they're not telling us that we have to like it. We just have to see that this is what we are. And that, and when we can do this, we can begin our recovery. And then it says the delusion that we are like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. Now this whole chapter, Bill is talking about the mental obsession. He's trying to get across to us this most, the second part, the bigger part of our disease here. This obsession of the, of the mind. This, this uh, part of us that makes us believe these lies. And here, the delusion we are like other people, okay, the lie that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. And what is smashed? To destroy utterly. So he's trying to get across to us that we have this obsession of the mind, and that is believing a lie. And it is a lie that I can be like a normal person. Because I'm not. I'm a compulsive overeater. And when I can accept that, that I am different, then I can have, this can be the first step of my recovery. You know, just like I can be a diabetic. I don't have to know why, it's just I am. Accept it and move on. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, Leah. This is Margaret, recovered from South Jersey. Good morning, Margaret. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, you know, just like Monica said, we learned. Um, and that we didn't have to like it. You know, I don't know why, uh, but the sentence before it, no person likes to think he's bodily and mentally different from his fellows. For some reason, I used to think people in OA were just, you know, really okay with that. And I wasn't. Of course, I wasn't. I fought it to the death almost. But, you know, we don't have to like it. And that's a freedom. Um and it's been a real freedom for me being on this line because I've heard people say all the time, you know, that this isn't the dream that they had for their life, to get up and be on the line every day. But now that I am up on the line every day and I have conceded, there is a wonderful life, just like uh, Eddie was saying, you know, there's a whole life here. And I was sitting at the beach yesterday with somebody who, who has diabetes and has all kinds of ramifications from it. And they were so baffled, you know, they were so baffled. And um, just somebody I met from another state that was just sitting down there. And my heart was just breaking. Uh, I didn't feel like I knew them enough. I didn't know what to do. But I knew that they were baffled. And um, I had to learn that I had to fully conceive. But I had to have people that were teaching me. You know, I had to have, you know, like it says, people who the problem had been solved. And I had to come to really believe that that problem was solved. Because I sat in a lot of, lot of meetings for a lot, a lot of years. And I would look around at, at what people were saying and what they were doing. And it didn't look like it was solved to me. Anyway, it just didn't look, for the most part. Every once in a while I would say, that's solved. But... Uh, I had to be around a lot of people. Like, I needed that first 100. I needed that first 100 almost in a way to, to convince me that this was possible because I had been in the rooms for so long and been up and down and in and out. And um, 
So finally, when I was convinced that there was recovery and, and surrendered to the process and just got on the, you know, just got on and started following, I don't know where I'm going sometimes, but I know I'm not going back. And that in itself is the relief of it, um, that I'm going forward, you know, and that I am I, I, every day just more and more free of this obsession, you know, as you call it, the beast of the mind. And... Um, more and more willing to fully concede and more and more willing to, um, you know, cooperate, like what was said yesterday, uh, with the grace of God, you know, more and more willing to do that. And and then the fight, you know, you just kind of grow away from that kind of life. And um, the freedom just comes more and more. And I'm so grateful, I can't even tell you. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. My name is Leigh. I'm a compulsive overeater. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics, as if it's not bad enough, you know. Uh, they made sure, those who penned these pages made sure to add the word fully, you know. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics, fully. Um, what, they're, what they're teaching me here is that the first step has to be done 100%. You know, 100%, I am absolutely powerless over food. And when I say I'm powerless, I mean that I'm, I'm, I'm powerless. You know, that is my dilemma. Um, you know, oftentimes when I speak to a newcomer, they'll, they'll say, you know, but my case is different. You know, that, that line, my case is different, that kind of attitude, that's what kills us here. You know, because we think our case is slightly different than everyone else's, that type of attitude is a death warrant. Because that means if you're slightly different, if you don't have to really fully concede to yourself that you are a real compulsive overeater, that means that you need a slightly different program than everybody else. You need a slightly different answer than everybody else. You may not really need a sponsor, and you may not really need these meetings, and you may not really need the steps. Uh, you're coming up with your own program, you know, and that's what I call the almost syndrome. See, when, you know, when the pain got great enough, I threw in the towel and I surrendered and I said, please, God, you know, please, God, my name is Leah and I am a real compulsive overeater and I need help because I'm going to die in the depths of this disease. You know, and I, I have no more answers. I throw my hand up. That's fully conceding to your innermost self that you're a real compulsive overeater. Because otherwise, for years, I fell into the almost syndrome. I was almost a real compulsive overeater. You know, I almost needed a program, and I almost needed a sponsor, uh, and I almost needed to do the steps, and I almost needed to pray, and I almost needed a higher power, and I almost got abstinent, and I almost got recovered. And that's about, uh, you know, when you talk about almost, uh, you know, almost is valueless here. Almost getting abstinent and almost being recovered is valueless, is valueless. Because for me, I'm either abstinent and in the recovery process, or it's chaos, or it was complete chaos. So it wasn't until I got beaten into a pulp that I could fully concede to my innermost self that I was a real compulsive overeater. And then things began to turn around. And with that, I pass. Anybody else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Okay, we'll move on to the next paragraph with Kim, please. 
Thank you. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness over any considerable period of time, we get worse, never better. Once again, this is Kim. So much information in here, you know, inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. You know, I kept thinking that this is my, this is my threshold. You know, if I reach 200 pounds, then I'm going to be embarrassed and, I, and I'll stop eating. You know, I, I remember going to the doctor because I wasn't feeling well and I wasn't diagnosed with, with a, you know, strep throat or with a flu. I was diagnosed morbidly obese. That'll stop me. But I didn't, didn't stop me. You know, I would go into the back of a parking lot and I'd be binging and somebody would w- walk by and look in the car and look down with disgust. That'll stop me. Nope, that didn't stop me. You know, I was in the, at work and everybody left the break room and I was going through the trash and eating the leftovers from a, a luncheon and was caught. Yeah, that'll stop me. No, that didn't stop me. You know, I, I was at some place and my, my jeans split because I was gaining so much weight I couldn't, keep, I couldn't keep buying clothes big enough for myself. That'll stop me. No. And what was even more telling was the first time I was caught in the parking lot, I was humiliated. The second time, I was a little less humiliated. And the third time, I didn't even care. You know, because we, we are in the grip of a progressive illness. We never get better. We always get worse. You know, and I keep clinging to that time in April of 1995 where things seem okay. And if I think I can get back to April 1995, I'm going to forget about all those humiliating experiences and think I can get back there. But I am in the grip of a progressive illness. And the thing is, whether I am abstinent or in the food, the, the, the disease is progressing. So there is no relief. I have to fully concede this. I have to recognize that this disease will progress regardless of what I'm doing and that I better address it because I'm going to not have the ability to address it once I'm in the grave. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Thank you. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. You know, I love that they start this sentence off, we. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. You know, and I could I could begin to embrace this idea, to know that there were others like me and recognize myself. You know, they also said we know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control, ever recovers control. And they put that word in italics so that I would pay attention to that word. You know, and then they reassure me, all of us, all of us felt at times that we were regaining control. So I'm not so odd or weird to think that there were times when I felt like, when I thought that perhaps, I could regain some control. But such interviews, usually brief, 
usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control. And that's what happened to me. You know, those periods when I could white-knuckle it, where I could get abstinent, you know, I've heard it said beautifully so many times, it's like holding your breath underwater. I could stay abstinent. I could stay on my food plan. I could stay on whatever new diet plan I was trying for intervals, for intervals. And they got more and more brief. And the periods of binging and being out of control got larger and larger. And the periods of control and and the binging got closer and closer together as the intervals got shorter and shorter where I could maintain. Because it, it became pitiful. It became pitiful to me because I knew, I knew the inevitable would happen. The inevitable would happen and I would pick up again. And I got to the point where I said to myself, maybe this is as good as it gets. Maybe this is as good as it gets. That I will always be like this. And, I will, and, and you know what? I'm grateful for that today, that I got to that point where I was convinced, where I was convinced by my own behavior, crazy making, it seemed to me, crazy behavior and the inevitable. That brought me to a place where I was convinced that I was indeed one of these people in the grips of that illness, progressive progressive, persistent disease, cunning, baffling, and powerful. I could not explain myself to myself anymore. And that's a great place to be. That's a great place to be because somehow your mind gets cracked open. If you're anything like me, when you're in that place, pitiful and incomprehensible, the world seems, your mind cracks open and God comes in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Paula Bishu. This is Catherine. Of course, Paula and then Catherine. Thank you. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm going to look at the, every sentence is a eye-opener, but I'm going to look at that. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control. That's, that's what kept me where I was. Those short times that now they were shot, but that was all right. I'll grab it. Yep, that's it. Look at that. You made it through the day. All of us felt that way, that we were regaining control. This time it's going to be different. Got it now. But then they threw the butt in there, the butt that we lived after. But such intervals, usually brief, yeah, and briefer still they became, were inevitably followed by still less control. I'll do better next time, did worse. I'll do it longer next time. I'll do the week, didn't make it through the day, which led in time, and there it is. There's where it led you. There's where the path goes, too pitiful and incomprehensible. I couldn't comprehend it. Demoralization. I didn't want to go to sleep and I didn't want to wake up. To throw into confusion. Oh, yeah. Not to place in. I was thrown into confusion. My mind didn't know what to do. Ah, there it is. 
And then it said clearly, we are convinced. If you're not convinced, you can't go. To a man that alcoholics of our type, and here I'll come along, are in the grip. Oh, it's holding you, honey, and it ain't letting go. What does William James say? It binds you, clear enough, and it blinds you. Where are you going to go? I'm tied up and I can't see. I have a progressive illness, and that it is. With that, I will end. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Paula. Catherine, your turn. Yes, thank you, Leah. Thank you. This is Catherine, a recovered compulsive overeater. And for me, reading that sentence again, we know that no real alcoholic ever, and that's italicized, recovers control. For those who are, who are so recovered, we realize that we need to read this book over and over again. We need to be reminded of the disease that we have. You know, we can't fall into that delusion that we are like other people, or presently may be, or could be, or will be, might be someday. It has to be smashed. And we have to be reminded that this disease is progressive. As time goes by, it gets worse. It is patient. As they say, it's out in, out in the uh, parking lot doing push-ups. It's just waiting for us to put down our, our defenses, and it's permanent. It's permanent. We never, we're recovered, but we're not cured. And as we, we have to also remember, this disease is fatal. This is a serious matter, and we don't take it lightly. We dedicate our lives to helping other people who are suffering. And this is what he'd be called to do, to put ourselves in fit spiritual condition so that we may be a service to others. On that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, hi. My name is Susan. I'm a food addict, compulsive overeater. Hi, Susan. Please go ahead. I'd like to comment on the progressive nature of the illness. Um, my disease has so progressed that when I get into the sugar, I almost instantaneously become suicidal. Um, and I need to remember that because um, I had a, a, a lapse um, a few, you know, about a week ago, and, you know, I do suffer from a mood disorder, and, you know, went to my doctor, and, of course, you know, to him, it's, oh, it's seasonal affective disorder, we need to adjust your moods, and my sponsor's like, well, you know, you might want to think about the effects of the sugar, and it has, it has progressed to that point where, you know, that allergy of the body um, has progressed to the point where it not only affects me more physically, but but emotionally and spiritually, where I get irrational thoughts. Um, you know, I am totally out of my mind, um, and I just need to remember that. Um, you know, to have that healthy fear that, for me, you know, to pick that up again, Results in can re, would result in hospitalization, psychiatric hospitalization, and you know this disease is definitely progressive. I have seen that, you know, in myself, and um, you know it's just 
you know, confirmation in the big book. Um, I just joined this study, uh, actually, and I've never really um, been involved in a, in a big book study, and this has just been so helpful. I've just been listening. I'm so grateful for this. Um, every morning for the past three mornings, I mean, it's just the answers are in there, and everything um, that everybody's been saying, it's just, I'm just so grateful. Um, so grateful. It's been hitting home. And um, I don't know if it's just the time for me to hear it, um, or it's just, it's just a, an awesome meeting. And I'm really um, grateful that, you know, it's there. It's there this time of day. I can listen to it as I'm getting ready for work. And, I, you know, I just wanted to thank everybody and, and thank you for the meeting. With that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It says here in the paragraph, all of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. Again, all of us felt at times that we were regaining control. You know, that regaining control, that's, mere, that's abstinence. That's when I've eliminated my substances. Um, and I feel like, you know, I'm attending to my disease. But in actuality, um, eliminating those substances does absolutely nothing for the greater aspect of my disease. The greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. I have a spiritual malady. I have a spiritual malady. Although abstinence is a necessity to begin the process of recovery, um, it does nothing to attend to the greater aspect of my disease, which is the obsession of the mind. My main problem rests in my mind, not my intellect, not my physical. My main problem rests in my values, in my beliefs, in my ideas. That's my real problem. And if I don't believe I have that real problem, then I have no reason to pursue these steps. The big book is making it clear here about the obsession of the mind and the fact that insanity means not after I've binged my way through numerous cellophane bags and bakery boxes. The insanity means before I take that first bite. This isn't about just stopping compulsive overeating. I've stopped thousands of times. How do you not start again? How do you not start again? How do you find a way to live comfortably? How do you find a way to live comfortably? I don't have a problem with compulsive overeating people. I ate compulsively very well, thank you very much. What my problem was, was living. I had a problem living. What this program of recovery does is take me on a spiritual journey through the use of these very steps that are written in the first 164 pages. And because of that journey, I have been transformed. I don't have those same values, those same beliefs, and those same ideas that I had. I'm not what I used to be. I've been born again, not in my body, but in my mind. Those old ideas, those old emotions, and those old attitudes that I had when I arrived have been cast aside, and a whole new set of ideas, emotions, and attitudes now dominate me. 
That's why it's so important to understand that the obsession of the mind and the more about alcoholism is all about the obsession of the mind. It is about that greater aspect of the disease. If I don't believe that I'm insane when it comes to this disease of compulsive overeating, then there is no necessity for a power greater than myself that's going to restore me to sanity. The big book makes it clear here. It's trying to smash the delusion that, that we are powerful enough to wrap our brain around this and to conquer the obsession of the mind on our own devices. And boy, did I try. And perhaps you have tried too. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment before we close the meeting this morning? Okay. Well, then we will close. I uh, thank everyone. Oh, you want to close the meeting? I'll wait till next meeting, meeting too, sir. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank okay. you. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer, and I will ask Sharon to read page 164, please. Thank you. Good morning, this is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And I pass.